Hello. Good morning. Today, I have a plan for what to do during the dead air while we wait for folks to pop on. Okay, I've got a couple of folks already. So if you go to on Instagram to an account called Going Zero Waste, I want to read you good news. This is from a woman. Her name is Katherine Kellogg, and she runs an Instagram account. And every Friday, she posts um, basically good news Friday. So like optimistic good things that are happening in terms of the environment and the climate and what people are doing. Okay. So I'm just going to read some stuff to get us going on a good foot. Okay. Headline scientists discover a mutant enzyme that eats plastic in a few hours. That's good news. Vermont has protected 1.3 million acres of land to help wildlife flourish. Nearly 100 critically endangered sea turtles have hatched on a deserted beach in Brazil. Good news. Uh, Science for Wildlife, a nonprofit wildlife conservation organization in Australia, has released all of the koalas they saved from the recent bushfires to their home in the Blue Mountains. That's good news. Oh, hey, got a lot of people. Hi, you guys. Yes. Okay. Going zero waste. Wait, I'm going to read you a little bit, some more good, good climate news while we just get a critical mass here. Okay. Scientists say that our oceans can be restored to their former glory within 30 years. If we get our act together about it. MIT students develop a $100 alternative to $30,000 ventilator units. Uh, Twitter's Jack Dorsey pledges a billion dollars for virus relief efforts. Let's see. Let me find a couple more. Then I'll get started. Okay. Sunny, a golden retriever, is delivering groceries to an elderly quarantined neighbor. Isn't that fun? Yes. Good news. Neighborhoods are organizing teddy bear hunts to help distract kids under lockdown. NBA players who've beaten COVID-19 are donating blood to help high-risk patients. Allbirds, Crocs, and other comfy footwear brands have donated more than 100,000 pairs of shoes to healthcare workers. Okay, I love that account. I think you should follow it. Um, she gives great tips for going zero waste, but also the Good News Friday's totally worth it. I'm, can you, what's going on? No, I need you not. <laughs> Go down with Papa. Kid interruption. She'll distract me. And then I'll lose my place. It'll be. All right. Um, here we go. So here's what I wanted to talk about today. In the week, just prior to our beginning our social distancing, which was early last month, we had planned a small group series on the topic of earth care, and the series was entitled Caring for Our Common Home. And we got one meeting in before the lockdown began, and I was so very sad to have to put this on hold because I had personally been preparing the content for it for months. And I ho hope 
that it will be something that we can come back to because the topics that I prepared were surrounding four main themes, okay? Fossil fuels, plastics, food, and fashion. And the plan was for us to get an education together on how these systems harm the planet and how we might be part of dismantling them or of divesting ourselves from tox toxic and harmful systems and instead embracing conscious systems. So I was going to talk about the plastics crisis and how recycling is a good idea in theory, but it hasn't actually worked. And the toll that our addiction to fossil fuels takes on human bodies and on the land. And I was going to talk about the terrible, unjust, and corrupt systems of industrial animal agriculture and how they cause pollution and deforestation and not to mention animal suffering. And I was going to talk about how fast fashion is killing both the planet and the people who work in the industry. And basically the whole thing was going to be very uplifting. That's the joke. Ha ha. Hopefully going to be uplifting eventually because here here's what I'm getting at. My plan was that we would explore these topics together and we would sit with the reality of them and we would let the, let that sink in. And then together we would get busy figuring out how we can be part of the solution and stop contributing to the problems in practical ways. So there wouldn't be easy answers because there never are, but the hope would lie in our own empowerment to foster change. And the hope would lie in the fact that it's our duty as stewards of this earth, which is what we are if we're human beings on this planet, and this is a main takeaway that we get from reading the creation story if we're open to seeing it, which is that God commissioned human beings to care for the creation and, and that an essential part of our spirituality is found in the truth of our connection to the earth. So my grand plan for that um, work workshop space, which I'm still hanging on to that plan, was that together we could become inspired and impassioned earth stewards. And we could learn to weave that value into our spiritual practice, which sounds great, right? I still wanna do that with y'all. I still wanna share with you that fire that I have in my belly. But now we're in Corona time and our collective needs have shifted and an apocalypse, okay, that means an unveiling or a big revealing has happened and is happening. And suddenly, we're able to see problems that people on the margins have been raising the alarm about for decades in this country. We're able to see now more clearly because of COVID-19. Problems like lack of access to healthcare in communities of color, like precarious financial situations and lack of safety nets among the poor, like how social distancing is a privilege of college-educated white-collar workers, but that the burden of essential services falls mostly in the backs of people who are most at risk of financial or health ruin at any moment. Like how refugees and immigrants living in close quarters literally cannot socially distance. So, <clears throat> Aside from the bad news about the pandemic and the bad news of the slow response of the government, the bad news of, as of today, 
As of this morning, over 39,000 people who've lost their lives to the virus in the U.S. alone. And the bad news of the great burden and exhaustion of our healthcare workers exposing themselves to disease in the process of caring for sick folks. And the bad news of the economic situation this is causing. And aside from all that, we are in this moment having a major reckoning with how out of, out of whack our priorities have been and how harmful our policies are to so many. Okay, are you depressed yet? Bad news, bad news, bad news, right? Hang in there with me. I gave you the good news from the get-go, so hopefully you wouldn't fall too far too fast. Okay, this coming Wednesday, the 22nd, is Earth Day. And I have been planning to preach today for months. The content of my message has, in has inevitably shifted, but some things do remain. Okay, we're in week two of our series entitled Hard One Hope, in which we are acknowledging that things look bad, mostly for the not wealthy people, mostly for the not white middle class people, but we are digging deep for hope. And if we're going to have hope, we're going to need to know where to look, both in regards to coronavirus and in regards to all the problems that the pandemic is, re is revealing, but also in regards to the state of our home planet. And if our eyes are open, we're seeing that things don't look so good on either front. But I'll give you a hint. They're connected. The fate of everyone, but especially the poor, is tied up with the fate of the planet. One of the points that I really tried to get across in that one meeting that we were able to have together earlier last month, in which we watched some parts of documentaries together and we had some discussion, the point that I wanted to ingrain in folks' heads is that caring for earth equals caring for the poor. There's this particularly poignant moment in the documentary Before the Flood, which we watched, in which an Indian woman who's an environmentalist takes the group of people to a field where the crop has been devastated by unseasonable rains. And she points out the fact that it's the poorest of the world's farmers and agricultural and fishing populations, those closest to ruin, who will bear the brunt of climate change and pollution. And that's the message that I hope will stick with people. That what we do to the earth, we do to ourselves and our siblings. Um, I get a lot of inspiration on an education on Instagram. I find it to be a good tool for me. And I follow an account called um, Red Islam Collective, and it's an indigenous arts and social change movement uh, account. And in one of the posts there recently, the caption said this. It said, violence against the land begets violence against women. And in the post, they lay out there how that truth plays out and how it plays out particularly against indigenous women who live on reservations. There are a lot of particulars to that scenario and the larger context is that indigenous women and girls 
are raped, abused, and murdered at much higher rates than white women. And they're raising awareness of that reality in an effort to fight it. So there's a lot there. But that one sentence, violence against the land begets violence against women, has haunted me since I read it. Violence against the land begets violence against humanity. Because the earth is our common home. And when we abuse and pollute her, we abuse and pollute our own selves, our own bodies, because we are all connected by air and water, by atom and molecule, by soil and mineral. So I wanna go back really quick to the Hebrew creation myth, which makes up a portion of the book that we call Genesis today. And I, I would like for us to reconnect to our own Christian tradition, which was originally Jewish Hebrew tradition. Now, okay, side note. I have no inclination to take this ancient Near Eastern creation myth literally, scientifically, or to look to it for historical accuracy. What I am interested in here are timeless truths about human nature, timeless truths about divine nature and how human and divine are in relationship. So I'm looking for themes and clues about the character and priorities of the divine. All right, here's uh, a portion of Genesis 1. I'll read it. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and the darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Okay, so then God separates the waters from the dry land and the so-called lights, lights in the sky and God creates plant life and sea life and land animals. And then, okay, back to the text, this is verse 26. Then God says, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of the divine, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. We hear the voice of the divine in the reading of these words. Thanks be to God. So I'm very grateful to Paul Paul Verizzo, are you here? I haven't read all the comments, so I don't really know who's here yet. Um, but I'm very grateful because Paul sent us an email a few weeks back asking for uh, 
our thoughts on this word, dominion. And so, very sorry, Paul already knows what I think about the word dominion. But when you hear that word, in the text, or at least when I hear the word in the text, I sort of screech to a halt a little bit like, what? What? Dominion? What does that mean? And here's what I think it means. So I think there are a couple ways you could think about it. You could think about that word um, as, okay, I have dominion, so I can do whatever I want. I can destroy, I can create, I can do whatever I want, which is basically what we've done. And you know that it's not worked out so well, except for perhaps a 1% of people on the planet. So we've effed a lot up for humans and animals and land. Or, or you can think of dominion as stewardship. Okay, as having authority to care benevolently for the land and all its inhabitants, which is, I think, the right way to understand that word as benevolent care, as seeking the highest good of the land, seeking the highest good of the animals that live on the earth and of the human siblings of ours that live on the earth. And God gives the humans in this in this narrative, God gives the humans authority to steward the creation. And I think that it's inside that God-given authority that the hope lies. Track with me. Okay, what is stewardship? Stewardship is the job of supervising and taking care of something. It's the job of making something last making it be fruitful or reproduce itself and making sure systems work towards the highest good. And I believe that the creator invites us into stewardship, both for the benefit of the land or beings that we're stewarding and for our benefit and spiritual growth. So not only are we invited to care for the earth, to connect with it and to help it reach its potential, to nurture it and so forth for the earth's benefit. We are invited to do this for our benefit, not to mention the benefit of other creatures, both human and animal that live on it. And it's when humans wake up to that stewardship, that responsibility for care and nurture that I see a great deal of hope. Listen, the shadow wins when we are persuaded to forfeit our responsibility of creation stewardship. The kingdom of God wins when we wake up and take hold of our power to heal and nurture and sustain and partner with the earth for its and our highest good. The hope lies with us. The hope lies inside of us. The hope lies inside of each of us reclaiming and regaining our personal power as stewards of creation. The hope lies inside of us awakening to the fact that caring for the land means caring for every person and animal who lives on it. The hope lies in us making the connection that violence against the land equates to violence against people. And that violence against the land equals 
violence against animals. So we have a duty and responsibility as stewards to wake up to our power, to change our relationship to the earth, to God's good creation, that God calls good in that narrative. And if that means using less resources, dumping less plastic, eating less animal flesh, wasting less produce, voting and supporting policymakers who make this connection that I'm talking about, or becoming policymakers who make this connection. The hope, my friends, is here with us in us reclaiming our personal power. And the same is true, I think, with the problems that are being unveiled by COVID-19. The hope is a seed within us that we wake up to our power to create change and transform the world and to bring heaven's justice for all people to earth by our words and work and service. You are made in the image of God and you live in God's community and you share God's nurturing power and you share God's healing touch And the hope that we can find lies in our power to opt in to creation, stewardship, and justice. So that is my prayer for us today on this few days before Earth Day. I pray that each one of us will wake up to the seed within us, will wake up to our own power to create change and transform the world. I 